Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL. 3-3 Jets and Rangers after 2, also after 2. Buffalo up 3-1 on Pittsburgh. Canadians leading Carolina 3-2. After the first, no score, Wild and Predators. Five minutes left in the first period. Boston up 2-0 in Dallas. And early third period, Tampa Bay leading Florida 2-1. Coming up later, getting underway in a few minutes, Flames and the Avalanche, and the Coyotes will take on the Ducks at 8 o'clock. Bottom of the ninth now, St. Louis leading Atlanta 7-5 in game one of their best-of-five series in Major League Baseball. It's been a bit of a wild game. It was 3-1 for Atlanta going to the eighth. St. Louis got two in the top of the eighth to tie it 3-3. Four more in the top of the ninth to go up 7-3. The Braves have come back with two in the bottom of the ninth to get to 7-5. The bases are empty with one out. So we'll keep an eye on that one for you. Seahawks, they had to review that touchdown to make sure uh, Lockett's feet were in bounds. They were. They get the convert. Seahawks leading the Rams 7-6 Thursday night football. The Edmonton Huskies and Edmonton Wildcats will play each other this weekend. Huskies are 4-2 and two in the Prairie Junior Conference. The Wildcats are 2-4. and four. That game Saturday at 7 at Clark. FC Edmonton lost last night. They've been having a tough goal lately. They lost one nothing, uh, one nil to Forge FC. Golden Bears football, and later on in the show, we'll be joined by head coach Chris Morris, having a great season. They are four and one, visiting the four and one Calgary Dinos Saturday at one. First place showdown for the Golden Bears football team. Have not said that in a while. They uh, would technically be in second place right now because Calgary beat them earlier in the season. Oilers news today: Adam Larson fractured fibula. He will be out six to eight weeks. I looked at the schedule. That likely means somewhere between 20 and 27 games. He was hurt late in the first period, blocking that shot, able to finish the game. Well, he didn't got down to the last two or three minutes. So he's out. Now the Oilers have sent Ethan Bear down and called up Evan Bouchard. I believe this will be a paper transaction that will be reversed tomorrow. Long story short, they did it this way to have more room available under the cap when they put Larson on long-term injured reserve. So that's why that shook down that way. All right. You can call 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. This texture says, I couldn't agree with you more, Reed. The Seahawks look like a bunch of jolly green giants. I'm a huge Seahawks fan, but those jerseys are brutal. I don't really like them either. Uh, this texter says, how old is Brian Hall? I listened to him when I was eight. He was on CJCA. I turned 60 this year. Brian Hall is 34 years of age. Kellen, you can confirm that. Uh, yeah, and fat check. Or fact checked, not fat check. <laughs> not well. fat check. Well. Just like my shift error last night. Well, mine was worse. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, we had a, a text asking about uh, Oilers' attendance and uh, perhaps, well, not perhaps, some some dwindling interest in purchasing tickets this year. Don says, uh, hey, Reed, I've been a season seat holder since 2006. I've even upgraded this season. As long as I can, I'll be a season ticket holder. It's a pleasure to watch Connor and Dreisaitl. We have settled the carousel of management and coaching. I like our bottom six. And uh, like most Oilers fans, I am optimistic. That was a text from Don. 6.30, You know, and I know some people have written in saying, well, the economy's tough, so, so they don't want to buy tickets. All I can tell you is what I hear. And, and sometimes I hesitate to go down this road or I hesitate to use the word, well, fans think this. Because being a sports fan is a very personal and often emotional endeavor. So if I say, well, fans think this, and even if that represents 70, 80% of the fans, the 20 or 30% that it doesn't represent are going to get really peeved. So, so I try not to speak in generalizations. I can only tell you what I'm told. I often speak to fans, certainly on the radio, who are emotional immediately after games, and there have been much more losses uh, than wins for the Oilers in, in the stretch that, I, that I've been doing. And, and sometimes people will say to me, why, why should I keep spending money on this product? And I refuse to answer that question because that's a personal decision. I would never tell somebody how to spend their money unless they were going to spend it on something obviously stupid or dangerous. But uh, when it comes to how you want to be entertained, I ain't telling you how to do it because I don't want people telling me whether I should buy a book, watch a movie, or buy my dog a gold-studded collar. I haven't done that, by the way. Don't worry. But I I do believe that the poor quality of the Oilers has affected people's willingness to spend money on tickets regardless of the economy. Now, I'm not ignorant to the impact of the economy and and how much disposable income people might have. Um, But I would think if we were talking about a team that had been in the playoffs 12 of the last 13 years instead of out out of it, I don't think Oilers' list would be as high on the list as something people might be willing to sacrifice. All right? Do we sacrifice uh, pizza night or our Oilers mini-pack? Well, when we go to Oilers games, they haven't been very good. Maybe we'll just keep spending time together as a family and getting pizza. That's just how I feel from what I'm hearing from a lot of people. But, but by the same token, I also hear from a lot of people, that texture wrote in, who just say, who might just say, I like going to a live sporting event. I like professional sports. I like watching the highest level of sports in Edmonton. That's the Oilers. I'm going to go for that experience. And let's face it, nobody's wrong. It's your money. It's your leisure time. And of course, you should be frustrated about the poor quality of the team you cheer for. Of, of course, you should. But the people who want to stop spending money on the team, I don't think should to tell the people who want to keep spending money on the team not to do it. And I don't think the people who want to keep spending money on tickets should tell the people who are going to stop that they're bad fans because I I think it's a very personal thing. But there's no doubt, I I certainly got the sense over the summer that a lot of people said, I'm finally going to do it. I'm finally going to give up my tickets. Chris is on line one. Hey, Chris. Hey, how are you? Doing quite well. Um, I was just curious. I was watching the TSN draft show yesterday, um, and unfortunately I could only watch three rounds, and none of those guys had taken Dreisaitl. Um, and I, I guess I'm confused. I didn't know there was another guy that 
scored 50 goals and had 100 points last year. So just kind of confused as to why he's so underrated. I, I don't know if because he plays here in Edmonton um, or what, but I don't know if you got an answer for that. Uh, I didn't watch that show. I was probably on air when it was on, but I, I have. Well, yes, I do have an opinion, and you. May, I don't know if, what you're going to think. I think playing in Edmonton is part of it, and it's just what I was talking about, Chris. Like the Oilers have been so bad, every like it makes everything seem worse, or you know, like everybody gets a little bit like. A lot of people don't pay attention to the Oilers because they just write them off as like, well, they're going to be a joke again this year. So how, how yeah. good can anybody actually be? I also think playing in the West, I mean, most of the population in North America is the East, is in the yeah. East. So they're going to see more of those teams. And I, and I think sometimes people don't stay up as late or realize how overall productive he really is. And I, I don't think he's just a one-way player. Like, I, I think he's turning into a pretty good checker too. I mean, he's... You know, offensive players always get criticized for their defense. He had the the brain fart against Kane last year, but I also think he's a pretty good down low defensive player. I, I I mean, I think he's one of the top 20 players in the league. And if I were doing a fantasy draft that had 12 teams in it, I would expect him to go in the first round. What about you? Well, I'm on my way to pro hockey life right now because they got to buy one get one 50 percent off jersey and. I can't decide if I want a dry saddle or a McDavid. So, <laughs> honestly, he would have been in the first round for me. Um, these guys took Kucherov over McDavid first overall, which I think is another mistake. But, yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating to be an Edmonton fan and, and watch our guys just not get the credit they deserve. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate the call nonetheless. Okay, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quick uh, timeout. We'll get in a, a short visit. He's a, he's a busy guy, but with Golden Bears football coach Chris Morris as they get set to go play the Dinos on Saturday. To between 7.30 and 8 tonight, really cool, really interesting new book out. It's called Before the Lights Go Out, A Season Inside a Game Worth Saving. Just went on sale on Tuesday. Sean Fitzgerald wrote it, our old buddy. He's been on the show several times. It's a, it's a very interesting read. He spent a season with the OHL's Peterborough Peets. By the way, Oilers prospect Dylan Wells was on the team at that time. And he also talks about just what hockey means in our communities about uh decreasing enrollment in hockey about other countries in the world catching up to canada or perhaps you could even argue maybe in in some levels uh surpassing canada and, and what's going on there it's it, it's a it's a really it's a really good book i i, I got to go through an advanced copy so sean's going to give us some of the some of the background and i i think we can say christmas is coming up so if you have a 
discerning hockey fan in your family, a sports fan that uh, is interested in this kind of thing. It's called Before the Lights Go Out, and uh, Sean is coming up after the 7.30 news. All right. Ray says, uh, good evening, Reed. I heard that Ethan Bear was sent down to the minors. Is that accurate? It is, Ray, but I think this is just a paper transaction, and he will be recalled tomorrow without ever leaving town. What They put, Eth- they put Adam Larson on long-term injured reserve. In order to get the most possible relief under the salary cap, they put Evan Bouchard on the roster because he makes a little more than Bear. So that helps them have more room to work with under the cap once Larson is on LTIR. So what I think we're going to get tomorrow is uh, a, a notification that Bouchard's been assigned back to the Condors, bears back with the Oilers, and neither guy never even went anywhere. All right. Darcy out west says, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, underrated definitely one of the best bargains in the nhl today when he comes in at two-thirds the price of mcdavid you cannot tell me he's only two-thirds the player of mcdavid that's a bargain basement second-hand store drink at a steal of a deal that is uh darcy texting into 6 30 appreciate that guys u of a golden bears they have been quite an unexpected success story so far this season they have won four in a row they are 4-1 on the year. They play 4-1 Calgary in Dinoland on Saturday. The head coach of the Bears is Chris Morris. Chris, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. How about you? I'm doing great. Well, this is an exciting game to talk about. I, I know there's still a lot of track left this season, but for this weekend, it's a first-place showdown with the Calgary Dinos. That must sound, uh, sound pretty nice. Yeah, it's nice to be, you know, this late in the season and contending for, uh, for a top spot in the conference for sure. So we're all excited here, and we're... You know, we're chipping away at this thing. We're hoping to, you know, have a good showing on, on Saturday afternoon. You guys have had some dramatic victories. Games decided in the final three minutes. You won your last game by a wider margin, but you did it by scoring 23 points in the fourth quarter. You, you were still trailing by a bit going into the fourth. Why do you think you have been so successful in fourth quarters this season? Yeah, I think there's a bunch of things to it. I think the kids' belief is, is important. You know, the... the you know, we've had a had a long history now of having a very strong strength and conditioning program all all winter long, and our, our kids are in great shape. You know, and that I think that's starting to really show through. And you know, the fact that we've got some older kids that you know have have the right mindset and understand that you know it's it's a uh, you just got to keep chipping away at things, and eventually they come. So there's there's a bunch of factors, but it's it's nice that we it's nice that we have that collective belief right now that you know that we're going to pull things out. You played the Dinos earlier this season back in your first game, and, and that was your only loss of the season, and it was one that, that came down to the wire. Now, unfortunately, in that one, you, you were playing catch-up most of the afternoon and, and couldn't quite uh, get over the hump in the end. Just tell us a little bit uh, about the Dinos, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm going to throw out a cliche here, but you're probably thinking, okay, guys, let's, let's have a good start. Let's not get in a big hole like we did last time. Yeah, well, certainly you never want to start a game the way we did last time, right, and get down. Um, they're a talented group. Like, they've been the class of Canada West for the last decade or more. And, uh, you know, you start looking at going down into their into their house and, and playing a game, you gotta you got to have the right mindset. You better be executing at a high level, and you better be playing good football. So there's a lot of things we have to do right Saturday afternoon to be in the game and to be playing, you know, playing with them at the end to see who's going to win it. So 
the, the key to us is just executing. We got some good kids here. They play hard and they, you know, they really, really want to get after things. They do things the right way. So if we execute well, I think we're going to be right there. I want to ask you about uh, some of the other coaches on your staff because because I know uh, I know this is a, a, this season and, and the success this season involves dozens of players and coaches and and trainers and all that kind of stuff. But you were you were able to land Greg Knox as your defensive coordinator, who'd uh, been the head coach at McMaster the the previous three seasons. Just tell me a little bit about him coming you know accepting being a coordinator after being a a head coach and and just him his impact on the program this year i just think he's the best defensive mind probably in the country um and i you know i i don't i don't put that just at the unisport at the u sports level either i think he's a very very talented person and that's you know that's always been one of the one of the issues you know you you field your team and you field your, your your athletes, but you also look at your coaching staff, right? And, and, you know, you're competing against, like, a lot of teams in our conference have much, much, much bigger budgets than we've had. And so they look at hiring people, and they're hiring CFL coordinators, they're hiring guys that are, you know, that are very, very experienced, whereas we've taken the path of, like, we're, we're going to work with people and we're going we're gonna to grow with people into the positions and all those sort of things. And everybody we've had here has done a tremendous job, and they've all contributed to our success that we're having this year. But it really is like, you know, to have someone with that wealth of experience and that, you know, the, the, the knowledge he has and the, the way he calls defensive games is, is at a whole other level. So it really does help to have a, a coordinator of that quality around. Chris, it's been great following you guys this season. All the best against the Dinos here, man. Thanks for your time. I think, thanks very much for having me on. Hopefully we can put on a good show for you guys. All right. Thanks, Chris. Chris Morris, U of A Golden Bears football coach and the U of A hockey team going to the States this weekend. They're going to be playing at Minnesota Duluth and also at St. Cloud State. So we'll keep an eye on those games, uh, how those games go. Another touchdown for the Seahawks. Eight minutes left in the second quarter. Now leading the Rams 14-6. And the Cardinals do hang on to beat the Braves in game one of that series. 7-6 the final. Atlanta rallying with three in the bottom of the ninth. Not quite enough, though, so the Cardinals take game one, seven, six. Oh, the other game has started. Dodgers lead Washington one nothing. That one is after the second inning. Okay, uh, you can text 6.30, 6.30. What should we do here? Do you want Do we have more Eskimos tickets to give away? We do. We got one more four-pack here. We'll do, uh, we'll, we'll do a trivia question, but they can just phone in and tell you, Kellen. Okay. I got I to gotta think of one. Oh, I could think of a really hard one. Do you think they're up to it? Uh, you know what? No, let's do this. Um, well, because this has an Edmonton connection. Okay. I wasn't planning on doing it this way, but I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm 99% sure I know the answer. The Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, won the Grey Cup in 1999. Who was their quarterback? And he at one time played for the... I think you know this, Kellen, but I'll tell you off air I if do. you're not sure. I do, okay. I do, I do. Yeah, this yeah. is pretty even. Who, who was the Hamilton Tiger Cats quarterback when they beat Calgary 33-21 to win the Grey Cup in 1999? Last time the Tiger Cats won the Grey Cup. I they, remember watching the game. It was a good one. They would have to be favorites to win it this year. We will check in with uh, Sean. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
Fitzgerald, his new book, Before the Lights Go Out, and we'll update the scoreboards. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. It's 7.33. Here's what's going on in the NHL. Lightning lead the Panthers 4-2 with four minutes left. With five minutes left, the Jets and Rangers are tied 4-4. Three minutes left, Sabres up 3-1 on the Penguins. Seven minutes left, Canadians and Carolina tied 3-3. Halfway through the second period, Nashville up 1-0 on the Minnesota Wild. After the first, Bruins lead the Stars 2-zip. Colorado has an early 1-0 lead on Calgary. Girard got the goal. The game's about seven minutes old. Later on tonight, Coyotes and Ducks. Oilers will play the Kings on Saturday night. Adam Larson on long-term injured reserve with a fractured fibula. Six to eight weeks is the timeline on him. 6.30 face-off show on Saturday, game at 8. Tomorrow, Eskimos, Tiger Cats. 3.30 countdown to kickoff, game at 5. And it's Trevor winning the Eskimos tickets to see the BC Lions on October 12th. He gets four tickets. He knew that Danny McManus was the Hamilton Tiger Cats quarterback the last time they won the Grey Cup in 1999 this portion of the show presented by furnace family experience the furnace family difference your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star google reviews call 7804-FAMILY or check them out online furnacefamily.com all right uh well we had this uh we had this gentleman on uh, in in the summer it's always fun talking to sean fitzgerald we don't have him on enough but he's, he's a busy guy I don't remember what we were talking about. It might have been the Raptors, or maybe we just we just had a we just randomly called them and put them on the radio. But he was like, "Hey, man, I'm writing a book. I, I, you, you can read it, and then I can come on and talk about it." And I was like, "That's a great idea." So we're going to do that. But but all kidding aside, it's a very good book, and I think it's a very important book, Sean. It's called "Before the Lights Go Out." How are you doing? I'm doing well. I think you had me on to talk about the 1999 Tie Cats over the summer. I think. I think it must have been a slow day. That's what we were talking about that day. Twentieth anniversary. Well, that was a that was a pretty good team. But man, you gotta. Uh, I mean, this the CFL is a small league, so I feel for Tiger Cats fans and I feel for Blue Bombers fans. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen. Oh boy. Yeah, and they've had. I mean, they've had some bad teams in that run, but they've had some good. Like they were fourteen and four one year. Uh, I think that was a one in two thousand seven. Was it Kahari Jones who broke his arm late in the East final? And then they lost. Uh, no, that was Kevin, Kevin Glenn. Glenn. Kevin Ivan came Glenn. in. It was a seven-yard run off the left side. Kevin Ivan came in, clean tackle, uh, hit him right in the arm, and then uh, Mr. Ryan Dinwiddie just couldn't uh, couldn't get the mail in there in the end. But they had that one year. They lost to Calgary. I think it was in Montreal, and they had Kari Jones. They had Milt Stegall. They had that was they had Mike Sellers in the background. Robert Gordon. Like they had an incredible like video game offense. And they still couldn't do it. That was the year uh, I think the Stamps had won eight games in the regular season, and Winnipeg had won. <laughs> that was a huge, huge upset for sure. Anyway, but before the lights go out, uh, first of all, thanks for thanks for the advance copy. But it's it's now out there for everybody on sale. And uh, as I said, Christmas is coming. But I, I want to. I, I mean, I love starting at the beginning when I have someone on who wrote a book. Like, what was the idea for this where you thought, you know what, I, I think this is important. I think this story can be told. What was the seed here? 
honestly, it was, I mean, I love hockey, and that's what this is. This, this, this sounds, I mean, the, the title sounds ominous, but it really is. It's like a love letter, or maybe it's like, you know, you're sitting in a, on a bar stool next to your buddy who's, you know, maybe making some questionable life decisions. You're like, read that, I love you, but you got to shape up or bad things are going to happen. Like, that's, that's what this is. This is, this is sitting down uh, with my editor, Jordan Ginsburg, and the idea was, you know, what does hockey in Canada look like in, I mean, then we started in 2016, but, you know, today, like, you know, this, this, this era. And, you know, we've been talking for years about how expensive hockey is. And it's, it's not just the sticks, although they are expensive. It's not just the skates. Although if you've got skates, you know, they are expensive too. It's it's the cost of, of kids these days. It's you know it's you know are they going to a, a hockey camp on March break? Are they you know going and having professional skating instructors come out and work with them during their hockey practices? Um, and then it's the soft costs of you know do you have flexibility at work to get your kid to a practice on the other side of town at 5 p.m. on a weekday? Do you do you have the ability? to take a Friday off of work a couple times a winter because they've got a tournament and that's when those tournaments start. Like it just adds up and it adds up and then it adds up to, you know, kids have more choices to do other things. They can play soccer. They can play esports. They can do a whole bunch of things in a Canadian winter that, that weren't available, you know, maybe even when we were kids. So throwing all of that in the bag, shaking it up and, and seeing what we can find is, is sort of what uh, what we have here. Well, there are some great stories, and uh, I, I, I'm going to te- tease a couple because the one that really struck me was was Cassie Campbell Pascal, who played hockey at at the highest level. I mean, she was a multiple Olympian, one of the greatest female players of all time. And she and her husband Brad, who's an assistant GM with the Flames, they decided their daughter was not going to play spring hockey. I, th- I thought that was that was that was quite a part of the book. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, so that is, you know, if you're putting, like, what's, a, what's an educated hockey family on a postcard, like, like Cassie Campbell and, and, and Brad Pascoe, like, they've got to be up there, right? And when the, the idea of spring hockey came up, and their daughter was seven at the time, so spring hockey, Cassie said no reflexively. But then checked with Brad. It's like, you know, are we are we doing the right thing here? So, you know, what is a normal family like? Somebody who who isn't, you know, a two-time Olympic gold medal winner and, and also an executive for an NHL team. Like, you know, what the hell are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to navigate the pressures of, you know, are we doing right by our children? And and these decisions are being made in Edmonton, in Calgary, in Halifax, in Toronto, and Vancouver. You know, hundreds of times, thousands of times every year hundreds of thousands of times maybe and you know those decisions shape you know how your kids will take their journey through hockey and you know some kids will thrive in spring hockey and they'll develop and and maybe they might, be, might become the next Haley Wickenheiser or Cassie Campbell or Connor McDavid but but quite often they're just going to end up maybe if you're lucky one day becoming a beer leaguer and you know to what end why are we putting them on the ice when they could be playing you know, soccer or baseball or doing anything else. Why are we Why are we forcing them into getting closer to year-round hockey? Sean, to to promo you coming on here on my Twitter Twitter account, I wrote uh, excellent look where hockey stands in Canada from Sean Fitzgerald. Put out a picture of your book, and as I was writing that, I thought, hmm. I wrote where hockey stands in Canada. Is that part of the problem that? Canadians have allowed hockey to stand still a little bit relative to 
other sports and where the world is moving? I agree. I agree a thousand percent. You're absolutely right. Um, for years, like, I mean, look, like there's what, 36 million of us, maybe a bit more now. Yep. And we're all kind of weirdos because we all look at the map and we're like, you know what? I like North America. I'm going to live in the frozen part. We're going to live in the big frozen part. So, like, there's something to that. And for years in that big frozen part, you know, the thing to do in the winter was going in and playing hockey or finding a pond and playing hockey. Um, and, f- you know, for years, hockey executives were quite happy to say, okay, it's October. We're firing up the Zamboni and come on in and play hockey. Well, Canada's changed. The face of Canada's changed. And that's a very good thing. But, and, and it makes sense that, you know, taste would evolve. And, and you look at, you know, there are soccer bubbles in small town Canada now. There's, there's basketball. There's, you know, esports. There's not playing sports at all. There are so many things that you can do as a child in Canada, as a young person in Canada now, that you couldn't in previous generations, that hockey never really learned that maybe it had to market itself, that maybe it said, well, you know what, we've made it too hard for new Canadians or people who are new to the game to get into the game. That, you know, we take it for granted that if you're in the hockey bubble, like, you know, do the shin pads go on before the pants? Like, how do the socks fit in? Do you, do you go with a girdle or compression shorts? Like, how does that all work? We, we take it for granted because so many of us grew up with that. But now a lot of us haven't. So, you know, crossing that delta to learn how to do that, it's a small thing, but it's just another thing that people have to overcome to join a game that used to be one of the most accessible in this country. Yeah, that's that's really well said. And, and you have a lot of anecdotes in, in the book where we can't just assume that because we've always been good at hockey and everybody's always played it, that, it, that it's always going to be that way. Sean Fitzgerald joining us on Inside Sports. The book is called Before the Lights Go Out. Another part of the book that, that I really enjoyed and it, and it's 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 later in the book, and it really stuck with me. Was the whole stuff with Tom Rennie and and, and Hockey Canada, and the huge uh, pushback he got from the the one third ice for the for the younger kids. Um, but 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 he Tom said it, and, and look, I think there were some organizational issues there too, where it maybe wasn't rolled out as effectively as it could have been. But I mean, Tom's a smart guy, and and he said, like, well, how come hockey's not fun anymore? That's ba- like that was basically his message to millions of hockey parents across the country. Like, what are you guys doing? Adults can ruin almost anything if they touch it. Like, <laughs> we can we can screw up anything, and yeah, like Tom Rennie, and and that's the one thing too is that as I've you know I've I, I got out to Saskatoon for a Hockey Canada event of. Chicago, Buffalo, 15,000 kilometers on the poor family car. Like, I tried to get around and talk to as many people as possible. And, and the thing is, the thing, if you want to be optimistic about all this, and it, it does, again, sound like I'm being a scold, I, I'm not. I just, I want to find solutions and identify the problems. Is, you know, the minor hockey executives that I spoke with, nobody said, oh, hockey's fine. We're fine. You're, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. They identify the problems. They understand the problems. And Tom Rennie, you know, more than, more than most. And, and the, the challenge is going to be finding solutions and as you mentioned with the the initiation program is is implementation that that hockey canada had this ip program on the books for 30 years and then had usa hockey go and implement it before them you know broadly and you know in, in parts of europe it's been implemented broadly and and in parts of canada they've been you know scaling the size of the ice to the size of the children for a long time, but it wasn't mandated till a couple of years ago. And the pushback from, from parents and, and some coaches and some executives was, was kind of staggering because Hockey Canada had this data that said, look, 
if you play a third ice, so if you're four, five, six, and you play sideboard to sideboard, and we divide the ice into thirds. So at one far end, you play a game. At the other far end, you play a game. And in the middle, you practice and have water. Um, those kids are going to touch the puck a ton more. They're going to pass more. Goalies are going to see more shots. Kids who otherwise wouldn't get to be engaged in the game get to be in the game. It kind of takes it back. This is an imperfect sort of analogy, but to those times on the pond that we like to think about when we think about hockey in Canada where they can just go play. And, and he got pushback on that because people said, oh, this isn't hockey. You can't tell me how my kids are going to play hockey. And that's, a, that's just one aspect. That's, that's one way that he wanted and Hockey Canada wanted to, to change how grassroots hockey is implemented. So, like, imagine how challenging it's going to be if they come up with more radical ideas that, that might well be brilliant, but how do you implement them across Canada without all of this pushback? Yeah, that that's really well said, and and that part, that part of the, the the book really resonated with me for sure. And of course, I, I know we've uh, I, I know one night I think it was a couple of years ago we got you after I think you'd coach your son's minor hockey team to a win. Uh, but you're you're a hockey dad yourself, obviously. Yeah, I know our eldest is eight years old. So in in Toronto here, that's one level before you get to the GTHL. So next okay. year is the GTHL, and that's when you play single a double a triple a and that's when that's when that's when the money gets you know rather than just really painful to incredibly crazy um and our four-year-old daughter the future all-time penalty minutes leader for the canadian women's hockey program she starts hockey school in two weeks so do you like like as a hockey dad did that make it I don't know what word I'm, I'm I'm trying to use here because, like you said, like you you're doing this. You don't want to sound like a scold. I loved how you used that word, but you but you think this is important. Like, as a hockey dad, did you have to take the emotion of being a hockey dad out of the book, or did you find yourself pouring that into the book? No, you're right. I I, I poured it into the book, and here's the reason that I, I. And again, we're talking about what we take for granted. Like, if you're listening to this radio station right now, there's a real good chance that you like hockey too, right? Like, this isn't the hottest take you're going to hear on on commercial radio today. Um, but why? Why do we love hockey? I'm I'm talking to you right now from a parking lot outside an arena in Toronto. We're in about 25 minutes. I'm going to go in and play a terrible beer league hockey game and bring shame on the game and my family name and everything. But I've been playing with these, this team for 10 years. Like, I'm connected with these folks. And, and the thing is, is that I never really fully understood that until the kids started getting into it. And, you know, in our corner of Toronto, which is a, a pretty, you know, there's a lot of people living in Toronto that, you know, through hockey, I've met the literal butcher, baker, and candlestick maker in my part of the city that, you know, our kids can go play in local parks and they might run into a kid they played against or a kid who was on the team or from house league, like, this sounds kind of cheesy, but it is true, and I think it's one of the real values of this game that we need to think about, you know, how important it is to preserve that it really does knit us together. That, you know, this is a, another perf- uh, personal example is that, you know, at the beginning of last year at school, uh, a kid moved to Toronto from Vancouver, and he was wearing a Canucks hat in my son's class. And the teacher knew that my son was a hockey nut, so they sat him together, and it's like, you know, the kid from Vancouver is like, I like Brock Besser. My kid's like, I like P.K. Subban. I play for East York. I play for Ted Reed. And before you know it, they're best friends. And, you know, that boy's father is now on that beer league team that I'm going to go join in about 25 minutes. And, and our families get together and hang out. And, and they're now, even though they're new, they are now fully part of a new community 
through hockey. And this repeats itself in cities and towns across Canada every winter. And it's, I think it's important. And I think it's worth taking a look back and saying, look, why are we freezing so many Canadians out of this when we know the benefits of it? Sean, we're, we're going to have to talk again. I, I didn't even mention the part of the book where you, you spent a season following the, the Peterborough Pete's of the OHL, and that is a whole story on its own because it went really <laughs> poorly for them. Dylan Wells, who's an Oilers prospect, was on that uh, Pete's team. And it was and a great kid, by the way. Yeah, a great, great kid. He, yeah. he is, and I'm glad you touched on the drumming part because I did an interview with him <laughs> during trade camp about that as well. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, yeah. His dad's his dad's Rob Wells. He's a he's a drummer, and he's yeah. No, Dylan does it to uh, to decompress sometimes. Sean, before the lights go out, a season inside a game worth saving. Uh, people can go to if they if they don't already follow you. I hope they are because because uh, you have way more followers than I do. But Sean Fitzgerald uh, hyphen between Fitz and Gerald. My Twitter account at Reed Wilkins. There's a there's a picture of the uh, the the book cover so people can look for it. Thanks for coming on, man. I, I really enjoyed this book and I do think it's really important. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. We'll take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on six thirty. Chat. Great to have Sean Fitzgerald on the show. The book is Before the Lights Go Out. This texter says, Spring hockey is for crazy, desperate parents, and even Hockey Canada doesn't want it. And our buddy Jeremy from Glendon writes in. He says, Hey, Reed, half ice for the little kids is a great idea. As a ref, seeing the smile on a kid who can barely skate, go and score a goal on half ice is great when he could barely get from the bench to the far face-off thought if it was whole ice. We stop thinking about hockey as a fun game, and we think every kid is going out to be the best. Our elitist mindset has ruined our love for the game, and that's why we can't win World Juniors anymore. That is Jeremy from Glendon texting in to 630-630. It, it is an interesting debate. Hockey is Canada's sport. We love it. We, are, we still often win at it or do really well at it. But I, I think there are some concerns about where it's heading, why some countries... I mean, I think you'd describe Finland and Sweden as being pretty similar to Canada. Are they starting to do things better than we are? Certainly the United States, which is a behemoth population-wise, but they've done excellent on the international stage. I'm I'm not a hockey parent. I don't have kids. We Sometimes we'll get into minor hockey stuff on this show. Certainly I, I know some... Uh, uh, you know, friends and family members who have youngsters in in hockey or have had youngsters in hockey. Um, most of them overall say it's been a positive experience, but they usually have some negative things to say about it as well. It, it's great to see Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Matt Benning, who, you know, from the Edmonton area, all these success stories be in the NHL. But when the kid is starting to play hockey, why is he playing? He he just really wants to play hockey. And the kids that are really into hockey, sure, they're going to pretend they're whoever, and they all think they're just going to automatically be in the NHL when they're 18. Well, but but really, they just want to have fun, right? And and as Sean said, and I'm sure you listening have, have known parents who are like this, coaches who are like this, organizers who are like this. Maybe you feel you've been like this yourself. Some As, as Sean said in the interview, 
adults can ruin any, any anything and you, and you take the fun out of it. So I think just from my experience of talking to people, and, and I do think a lot of people are doing good things to try to make sure this happens, I think you got to have a stream for the elites, absolutely. But I think you got to have a stream for the kids who just want to play. And there's another factor in all this too, whether it's hockey or whatever. There are a lot of ways that a, a, a young person... Well, there's a lot of ways for adults too, but let's focus on the young people. There are a lot of ways for young people to feel entertained and to have fun by not getting off the couch. And long-term, that's not healthy for the species, if I'm going to sound a little preachy here. Let's remember that as well. So if we get kids up and playing hockey or the sport of their choice, that's pretty nice too. Working as a team is important. Learning teamwork, learning about conflict, learning how to be supportive. All, all that's really important. And I, and I think if we lose kids going into hockey, kids going into sports, we start to lose a little bit of things that are important about being good human beings as well. 14-13, Seattle leading the LA Rams at halftime. Avalanche up 2-1 on the Flames. That's late in the first period. Second period, Bruins up 2-0 on the Stars. Minnesota leading Nashville 2-1. Canadians and Hurricanes are in a shootout. The game is tied 3-3. The Rangers get by the Jets 6-4. Sabres knock off the Penguins 3-1. And it's the Lightning downing the Panthers 5-2. Patrick Maroon scoring for the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. Baseball playoffs. Top of the fourth, Dodgers leading the Nationals 1-0. Earlier, the Cardinals came from behind and then held on to beat the Braves 7-6. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, our studio operator this evening. No Inside Sports tomorrow. We'll have the Eskimos game. 3.30 countdown to kickoff. The game starts at 5. Saturday, 6.30 face-off show. Game at 8, Oilers and Kings. And I believe we're preempted Monday. Th- this is going to be thrilling. We'll see what you like more. Inside Sports or the election debate and then a post-debate show. <laughs> I, well, I, I shouldn't laugh. Pe- people will listen to that. It'll have a different tone than this show. Let's just put it that way. My name's Reed Wilkins. Take care, everybody. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.